Welcome to Phoenix and Flame, pushing through and transforming even when you feel like a pile of ash. This podcast is not intended for use as psychotherapy. If you feel you are in crisis, please call 911 or contact your local crisis hotline. Well, welcome back to Phoenix and Flame. This is Dana Skaggs, and this is my podcast on pushing through and transforming even when you feel like a pile of ash. You know, I was thinking a few minutes ago as I was getting all of this set up, which is more now because I'm putting the uh, videos on YouTube and I'm learning more and more about that. You would think this is episode 14, so you would think that my nerves and anxiety would be lessened, and I guess they are on some level, but trying to manage all of the uh, the audio and the video and everything sometimes is a little overwhelming, but we make it work, and I hope this uh, this episode finds you doing well. If you are a uh, repeated listener, uh, thank you for following Phoenix and Flame. If you're a first-time listener, I hope you will get something from the episode that is helpful to you. And if anyone hears anything that they do find helpful, please share it on your social media pages. Um, encourage other people to listen, either on YouTube or uh, on the audio version. You know, I, I had decided that when I started to do the, the YouTube uh, videos, because I'm a visual learner, and so sometimes I can um, understand something better if I can see it. And so I thought, well, I'll go ahead and just record a, a videotaping of me doing my podcast and then put that on YouTube. So it's essentially just kind of watching me record the podcast as opposed to being some kind of a video show that people have a lot on YouTube. And as I'm learning how to do this, I've decided that I might try to put a little more effort into my appearance, which means, you know, the whole makeup drill and all that. And this morning, I'm, I'm trying to put my makeup on, and I was remembering a conversation that I had with my daughter a ways back, and I was trying to explain the difference in applying makeup on a 20-something-year-old face versus applying makeup on a 50-something-year-old face. <laughs> and it's like, especially like with the eyelid area, women, you know what I'm talking about, of course, some, some ladies I've noticed have wonderful uh, eyes and eyelid area, even as they get older in life, but mine's not doing that. And I, I remember saying it, the comparison between applying makeup to skin of a 20-something versus the skin of a 50-something or whatever, I, that's the only thing I can attest to because I'm not in my 60s or 70s yet, but is the difference between painting on a canvas versus painting drapes. <laughs> it's just not, <laughs> it is not the same. Uh, we try, 
and I guess, you know, the alternative is worse, but again, each to his own. I'm, I'm a big proponent of that. You'll hear that frequently in my episodes. If you listen to several, I'm a very big supporter of each person being on his or her own path. Um, I have quite a few people that I know and care about deeply, females that don't wear makeup at all, and I admire them, And but I'm a makeup wearer. I like wearing makeup. I've worn makeup since I was in junior high, I think, and I enjoy it, but I'm telling you, there's a difference between applying it to skin when you're 20-something versus skin when you're 50-something. There's just, it's just not the same. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> well, today is December 12th, 2020, the year of COVID, the pandemic. And I am noticing because already, okay, this kind of started about March-ish, and we're in December. I'm going to have to say, when this whole thing started, I'm not going to lie, when I had to go to, to telehealth, I thought, you know, okay, I'll learn how to do this, and I'll do this for maybe four to six weeks max, you know, and then we'll get back to the way things used to be. I think if I had known then how long this would last, I'm not even sure. I don't even know how that would have been. That would have been bad. Sometimes it's good not to know. Sometimes it's good just to be in the moment and not know, which is what I'm going to be talking about some later on in this episode. But here we are, we're experiencing like wave after wave because Thanksgiving, you know, people try to be respectful or whatever and do social distancing and all that, but still, you know, they want to get together. They want to get together with their families. And so the hospitals are noticing a wave and they didn't have room for it to begin with or the energy be that as it may, there came the Thanksgiving wave, and now we're getting ready to come into a Christmas wave. And some cities are talking about just locking everything down like they did in the very beginning in March and just closing everything down. And, you know, there's some owners of smaller businesses that are saying, look, if you if I have to shut down again, I won't be able to open back up. And so you also have to think about the economy. And I've been noticing really more and more the differences in people because being a psychotherapist I see lots of different types of people and I appreciate them all Um, just very different personalities and different histories and different takes on things and not only that but also just out in the community I've just been noticing more and more the the dichotomy the differences in people's attitude about how to deal with COVID and it seems like people are getting more extreme like you'll have, and maybe it's, maybe it's in response to each other. You'll have one group that is, you know, masked up no matter where they go. They even wear their masks. You'll see them, they'll have their masks on inside their cars. Sometimes people are wearing masks inside their own homes, being very, very limited about how much they're around other people. And paying very close attention to those types of things. And then you have another group of people that um, don't mask, don't like the masks, uh, feel like having to wear a mask is a intrusion, an intrusion on their personal rights as citizens of the United States and 
they don't like that. And some people in that group feel that uh, it's a healthier thing to get out there and experience COVID and let, let their body develop antibodies and go on like that. And it's, sometimes it's hard to figure out which way you want to go in light of everyone's attitudes. Everyone's not all on the same page with this. And of course, it's a pandemic. My gosh. No one that's alive now has ever been through a pandemic before, as far as I'm aware. So I'm not a big history buff. I don't know a lot about history, so I can't sit here and reel off the the last year we had a pandemic. I know I remember reading articles about it, but I can't remember what year it was. But it was a long, long time ago. Long time ago. So we're all just like, just shooting from the hip, just pulling stuff out of our butt. We don't even know what we're doing. And I just, I'm hoping that everyone will just respect each other, but that's really kind of not happening sometimes, unfortunately. But I'll tell you something that is present is fear and worry. And people are trying to not feel that. You hear a... um sort of a mantra of some people, faith over fear, which you got to respect, you know, people trying to find a way to not be so fearful and to be able to live their lives because you just can't curl up in a well, theoretically, you can't curl up in a ball and just forget all this is even happening. Um, It's not going to work as much as some of us would like to do that, particularly under a big fluffy comforter with maybe a mug of hot chocolate. That would be nice and hide and not have to face anything. But unfortunately, you can't stay that way. If nothing else, you'd have to go to the bathroom. You'd get bored. You'd run out of hot chocolate. And before long, you're out of that bed. You just have to face stuff sooner or later. So I wanted to make an episode today about one small way, maybe, of being able to do that. And I ran across a book the other day. For those of you who are watching this on YouTube, I'm trying to show it. I hope you can see it. I think you probably can. The book is by Dale Carnegie. It's called How to Stop Worrying and Start Living. This book was given to me many years ago by a patient that I had. He felt that it was very helpful to him, and he wanted to share it with me, and I was so glad that he did. I thought that was so thoughtful, and I did read a lot of the book and I've got it highlighted and underlined and words in the margins and stuff, which is what I do with books. I don't see the sense in doing anything else. If I'm going to read it, I'm going to read it. But I got flipping through this the other day and ran across some things that I thought, you know, this would be helpful. I'd like to talk about this on my next podcast. So if you want to get the book, I'm sure it's available on Amazon or wherever you like to shop, but I'm on page four and There's just a couple of things that I wanted to bring out. One of them is near the top, and it's a quote by Thomas Carlyle. And it says, Our main business is not to see what lies dimly at a distance, but to what lies clearly at hand. Keep that in mind. Now I'm going to read you the next. This next section is a little longer, but I've read through it several ways, and there's just really no way I can abbreviate it and really convey the, the whole meaning. So just have a little bit of patience. I'm just going to kind of read down through here. Basically, Sir William Osler, O-S-L-E-R, I hope I'm pronouncing that right. He addressed students of Yale University when they asked him what then was the secret of his success. 
And he stated that it was owing to what he called living in, quote, day-tight compartments, end quote. What did he mean by that? A few months before he spoke at Yale, Sir William Osler had crossed the Atlantic on a great ocean liner where the captain, standing on the bridge, could press a button, and presto, there was a clanging of machinery, and various parts of the ship were immediately shut off from one another, shut off into watertight compartments. Now each one of you, Dr. Osler said to those Yale students, is a much more marvelous organization than the great liner, and bound on a longer voyage. What I urge is that you so learn to control the machinery as to live with, quote, day-tight compartments as the most certain way to ensure safety on the voyage. Get on the bridge and see that at least the great bulkheads are in working order. Touch a button and hear at every level of your life the iron doors shutting out the past the dead yesterdays. Touch another and shut off with a metal curtain the future, the unborn tomorrows. Then you are safe, safe for today. I really, really liked that visual imagery in terms of staying in the moment. There is a scripture in Matthew. Um, This time, believe it or not, I can actually tell you where in Matthew. It's Matthew chapter 6, verse 34. Now, I'm reading out of the message uh, version. I've discovered over the years that I got stuck in the NIV for so long that I just didn't really even process what I was reading anymore. It was just like rote. And I like to read from different translations from time to time because they word things differently, and it helps me to see it and understand it differently. And then plus, the message, message version is more like how we speak today. So it says, give your entire attention to what God is doing right now, and don't get worked up about what may or may not happen tomorrow. God will help you deal with whatever hard things come up when the time comes. Now, I can give a personal testimony to this. As I've said before, this podcast is about my my journey, things that that I think and feel and have experienced myself, which may or may not be what what you are experiencing or someone you know, and and that's just fine. We're all on our own journey. But there have been times in my life where I, I really wanted God to just show me the blueprint of what my life was going to be like, what was going to happen. Personally, I didn't think that was too much to ask. I mean, just show me the blueprint. Let me know. Just roll it on out. Let me see what's going to happen. Okay, this is going to happen. And then two years later, that's going to happen. But that's okay, because then the next day, so-and-so is going to come into my life and then da-da-da. And let me see the whole thing. Then I'm going to give it my stamp of approval. I'm going to roll it back up and hand it back to God and say, okay, I'm okay now. I can relax because I know. Well, I never could talk him into doing that. You know, and I'm a pretty persuasive person, I must say. But I could never talk him into doing that. He always insisted that I live by faith, which is aggravating. 
I understand it, but it requires that I trust him and not know what's going to happen and just trust that whenever he wants me to do something, he's going to give me what I need. And that is scary, but I'm telling you, he has. Every single time, he's given me what I needed. Not before when I really wanted it so I could calm down. No, no, no. He pushes you right up to the edge and then gives you what you need. It's called living by faith. And it's not for the faint of heart, I must say. But the last part of the scripture that says that God will help you deal with whatever hard things come up when the time comes. I noticed that was tagged on at the end. It's true. I, I can personally attest All I can say that in my life, this has been true for me. I'm not saying it's been easy. It's not. It's scary. I'd like to know ahead of time. Thank you very much. But that's the way God works. And you're in a relationship with him. You have to live by faith. You know, because just a side note, if we didn't have to live by faith, we wouldn't really need him that much, you know, because then we'd be in control. We'd know what all was going on and we wouldn't have to pray and cling to him just because we're scared of what's going to happen. And we really don't have to be scared, but we are because we want to know. We find our security in our own knowledge. At least I'm saying we, but I guess I mean I. I can't speak for you. I'm more comfortable when I know what's going on. But that's not how life works either. We don't know. So all of this stuff that I've been reading, that I read in Dale Carnegie's book and this scripture, and there's a lot, there's several more scriptures along these similar lines, but I didn't feel like dragging them all out. I thought that was sufficient for today's episode. All this stuff sounds great, right? I mean, just, hey, just leave the past behind you. Don't think about tomorrow. Just live in the moment. Okay. Uh, That sounds like a really good idea. Why is it so hard? It's so freaking hard to do that. Why do we spend so much time anyway? on what happened yesterday and what might happen tomorrow. I mean, if you stop and think about that, really, the only reason that we would spend an inordinate amount of time reviewing, rewinding, rehashing, regurgitating stuff that has already happened, usually it's because we're concerned about it, We feel guilty about it. We feel ashamed about something we did. We wish we hadn't done it. We're wondering what kind of impact it had on other people. We're wondering if they're mad at us now. We're trying to replay it all as if we could change it somehow by replaying it. Well, you can't. Be nice. Wouldn't that be cool? But no, you can't do that. So, and also we think, okay, we spend time in the future. If I were to say, for the most people that I run into, between spending time in the past versus spending time in the future, seems about 25% spend time in the past grinding around about stuff that they feel, oh, I shouldn't have done this, I shouldn't have said that, whatever. Well, you did, move on, you know what I'm saying? 75% about are in the future, about what's going to happen, what might happen. Scared to death. I call it future launching. You know, I, I, I tell my... I tell some of my, my patients, I'm like, look, if, if you can read the future, then we need to strike a deal that you've got to tell me that because that's not fair for you to be able to do that and not tell me. Because if you can read the future, then we're going to Vegas, baby. 
That's all I'm saying. It's only fair. And I haven't rented anybody yet that actually read the future or can tell the future. I'm still waiting. Okay, I'm open-minded. I've told you that. I'm open-minded. Maybe there's going to be somebody walking my office next week that can tell the future. That'll be fun. Huh, maybe not. I think there's a reason why we're not supposed to know what the future holds. We think we want to know, don't we? So we can, like, prepare ourselves. But I think if we knew, like I said, in March when COVID started, if I knew it had been going on this long and it's probably going to go on who knows how many months more, uh, I don't know how I would have felt. It would have been very hard to deal with it if I'd have known that. I don't think I would have known that. I don't want to know that. But, you know, when we launch into the future, we pull stuff back. And if we could all agree for just a moment that the future is just the now that hasn't happened yet, can we, can we all agree on that? Okay. So if you look at the now and you look around you, you're going to see some nasty stuff, yes, but you're all going to also going to see some pretty cool stuff, some pretty wonderful things in the now. So does it make any sense that when we launch ourselves into the future, that only things we pull back is negative stuff, bad stuff? It doesn't make any sense, but that's what we do. We future launch and pull back bad stuff after bad stuff after bad thing. It doesn't make any sense. But I'm telling you, that's the truth. I have yet to hear anybody say, you know what? What if, and that's because what if implies the future. How many of you out there are struggling with what if? What if, what if? What if is about the future? Because if it was now, you'd know already. Okay? But anyway, back to my point. I have yet to hear a person say, what if I went home today and those publisher's clearinghouse people were standing on my front lawn with that great big cardboard check and balloons in their hand and all of a sudden I don't have to work another day in my life and I can go on that cruise and buy that sports car and fill in the blank, whatever floats your boat, going to Italy, whatever you want to do. You know, you don't hear people saying that. You don't. You hear them saying, you know, what if, you know, what if I, I gain 10 pounds? What if, what if I get a divorce? What if my kids hate me? What if I lose my job? What if I get COVID? What if my mom gets COVID and she dies? What if my dad, you know, it just goes on and on and on. So it's like, that's what we spend our time doing. We're wallowing around in the past, whining, feeling bad about whatever happened, or we're what ifing, we're launching ourselves into the future. So the next question becomes, why are we doing that? Why? Why do we take our time to do that? Well, it seems to me that most of us are either trying to feel as if we have some kind of control um, and then possibly maybe limit the amount of pain we have to go through. If we can like figure it out ahead of time, kind of like what I was trying to do with God, wanting to know my blueprint. It's like if I knew it ahead of time, maybe I can like gird my loins and prepare, but it doesn't really work that way. But I think that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to feel as if we have some kind of control and then be able to limit the pain. So all we're really doing, though, is rolling around in the past or 
chewing our nails to the nubs about what's going to happen in the future. Now, if that worked, then I'd say, have at it. I'll join you. But I have yet to see any kind of situation where rolling around in the past or chewing our fingernails down to the quick about the future actually helps anything. That kind of thinking only weakens us. And it doesn't change a damn thing. Whatever's happened in the past has already happened. You can't change that. And whatever's going to happen in the future, you can't, I mean, it's going to happen. You can't deal with it now. It's like that, the, how the scripture said that God would help you to deal with whatever hard things come up when the time comes. You can't deal with something that hasn't happened yet. But we think we can. We think we can prepare. So I think that's our motivation maybe. But it's not particularly effective. So then the next question becomes, all right, Dana, then how do we stay in the moment? I mean, all this sounds great, but how do you stay in the moment and not be overwhelmed by these nasty, intrusive thoughts that are pulling us back into the past or filling us up with fear of the future? Now, I want to say that sometimes... People have unprocessed trauma that fills them up with so many trigger points that it's almost impossible for them to stay in the moment because the triggers, by their very nature, pull them back into the past, into the pain. Just to take a little sidetrack for just a moment, because I, I feel like this is worth discussing, there's a part of our brain called the amygdala and hippocampus. Basically, if you were to take a pin and you pushed it in your ear and you pushed another one in your eye, where they would meet in the middle is basically where the amygdala and hippocampus reside. And in general, that's where a lot of our emotions, especially the part of our brain that holds trauma, that's where it is. And some people uh, will call that part of the brain the animal brain because it reacts, it responds like an animal. And it's where a lot of the fight or flight resides. When we feel uh, threatened, it flips us into fight or flight. It's very, very fast. And I don't have time in this episode to go all into all of that. I might do it some future episode. We'll see. But I guess what I wanted to explain about the animal brain or the amygdala and hippocampus is that it doesn't really have a sense of time. So if someone, let me give you an example. Let's say someone who... Uh, had been raped years ago and the rapist was wearing a certain type of cologne, then that becomes a trigger point, that smell. And so let's say this, say it was a woman who was raped. You know, men can be raped too, but let's just say a woman was raped and it's, you know, five, six, seven, ten years down, down the road and You know, she's walking in the grocery store, pushing her buggy, you know, minding her own business, you know, getting her some Campbell's soup off the shelf. And then all of a sudden she smells that cologne. In that moment, she is no longer standing in the grocery store. Her brain has jerked her back. That part of her brain, the animal brain, has jerked her back to the sensation of being raped. That's what a trigger does. It pulls you back. 
It has that part of your brain has no sense of time. It cannot say to you, well, this is 2020. You know, that rape happened in, you know, let's say 2014. You know, the, the rapist is in jail. There's, he's nowhere around. You're in the grocery store. Those are the kinds of thoughts that happen in your neocortex in sort of the frontal lobe part of your brain. Um, your animal brain, the amygdala and hippocampus, cannot do that. It has no sense of time. And I'm just bringing this up because people that have significant traumas that they have not had an opportunity to process, when they get triggered like that, they are absolutely just catapulted to the past. And for that moment, they are not in control. They are being re-traumatized and they're not in control. And it's very, very upsetting. It's very painful. And I would say that if there happens to be anybody listening who is experiencing that or knows someone who's experiencing that, please seek out a therapist and allow the therapist to walk with you and take you through and to process that trauma. You will never get to a place where you totally forget it. That's never going to happen. But what will happen during the processing of your trauma, it's sort of like how an open, gaping, infected, pulsing, pus-filled wound goes from that to a scar. But a wound like that, if you were to have a wound like that, you would have to go to the hospital and have them fix it. And that process would not be particularly pleasant. But it's necessary. Otherwise, that infection is going to get into your bloodstream and it's going to become systemic. So you get into the hospital and you get that fixed. Even though it hurts temporarily, long term, you will have a scar. A scar is something that is there and you can see it, and other people can see it, but you can touch it, other people can touch it, and it doesn't cause any pain. So please, if, like I said, if, if you're in a situation like that or you know somebody who is, go see a therapist. Get the wound healed so that your number of triggers will significantly decrease, and that will enable you to stay more in the moment. So now that I've kind of put that out there, I wanted to say for, for the rest of the individuals out there that are listening who are not dealing with unprocessed trauma, it's important to realize that we all have nasty, intrusive thoughts, uh, whether they're thoughts about something that happened in the past or something in the future or just nasty, intrusive thoughts in general. Everybody has those. So it's not a reason to feel like you're a bad person or to feel guilty or anything like that. Everybody has those thoughts, okay? But it's really not about the thoughts. The power is in what you do after the thought, what you do in response to the intrusive thought. So I'm going to briefly talk a little bit about mindfulness. Now, I know I had a whole episode, episode 12, I think it was, I think it was, on mindfulness, and I'm just going to briefly touch on the understanding of how the mindfulness, how that practice, I'm a big fan of this, and it, it helps to keep you in the moment. So basically, a couple of things to keep in mind. One is I want you to imagine if you were standing outside 
and the sky is a beautiful blue and you can see a puffy white cloud coming or you can even imagine it's a storm cloud I don't care but it's a cloud and it's coming your way I want you to imagine that your intrusive thoughts are going to come like this because even as you're trying to be mindful and you're trying to stay in the moment you are going to have thoughts that intrude that's part of it don't try to push them away don't try to grab onto them and do something with them don't try to ignore them none of that's going to work just like how a cloud if you're standing outside and you look over and you see a cloud coming and you see it coming right and then you see it pass over the top of you and then you see it keep passing and then you watch it continuing to go on. That's sort of what you need to do when you're practicing mindfulness and you have these intrusive thoughts. If you expect that when you begin to practice mindfulness, which is basically using your five senses to anchor yourself into the moment, when you do that, if you expect that all of these thoughts are going to evaporate, you're going to be sorely disappointed because mindfulness is more of an acceptance. It's a non-judgmental acceptance of these thoughts. They're going to come. Just accept them. You don't have to grab onto them. You don't have to try to pretend that they're not there, like don't think about the pink elephant standing in the middle of the room. You know, Don't do that. It doesn't work. What does work is just noticing them, and as they're kind of passing by, bring your focus back to your breathing and to your five sensories, your five senses of input, like your what you can see, what you can hear, what you can touch, smell, and taste. Bring your focus back to these things. Slow down. Pay attention. And if while you're doing that, you're aware of another intrusive thought and it pulls your attention up to the cloud, to that intrusive thought again, that's okay. Just recognize it, accept it, and pull your focus back to your breathing and to whatever your senses are telling you. For example, if you are, uh, let's say you're taking a shower and sometimes we're in, we're in the shower because it's so rote. We do it so much. It's so routine that that's a perfect place for a mind to wander all over the place. Funny story. One time I was in the shower and I did that and I got out and, and I was ready a little bit more early than I thought I should be. So I'm like, oh my gosh, what did I forget? I didn't even wash my hair. I rinsed it. Totally forgot to wash it because I was, my mind was thinking about other things. I just went on. Good ending, though, because I learned that when I didn't wash my hair all the time, it actually styles better. <laughs> Who knew? So anyway, when you're in the shower, you can slow your focus down and feel the water hitting your body. Feel its warmth. Hear it coming out of the shower head. Hear it hitting the walls of the shower. If you have a shower curtain, hear it hitting the shower curtain. You can smell the shampoo or your body wash. Smell it. And especially shampoo and body wash, it makes really nice foam. And if you put that foam between the palms of your hands and kind of push them together, it feels very bouncy. And you can like feel that. You can smell it. You can see it. 
if you look really close to bubbles, especially like bubble bath and that type of stuff, the little bubbles are iridescent. If you look really close, you'll see all different kinds of colors in each one of the bubbles. But as, you're, as you can see, you have to slow yourself down and pay attention. And don't act like you don't have time to do this. It doesn't take, it's not going to slow your shower down maybe 30 seconds, maybe at the outside, to slow your focus down and pay attention to some of these things. To feel the, the lather of your shampoo on your scalp. And if you're a woman and you're in there and you're shaving your legs, or if, hey, I'm not judging, maybe you're a man, you're in there shaving your legs, I don't care. But you're feeling the razor coming up your, your leg, you know, shaving the, the body wash off or the shaving cream, whatever it is that you prefer to use. And if while you're doing that, you start thinking about this horrible meeting that you're going to have to go to that day and these nasty people that are going to be in there and they're probably just going to be awfully critical and judgmental and say terrible things and then they're all, there you go. But those are intrusive thoughts. It's a cloud. Acknowledge that your brain has kind of skirted up there. Notice that and then just bring your focus back. Don't try to do anything with the thought. Don't try to force it to go away. Just acknowledge it. And bring your focus back. No judging, just noticing. Bring your focus back to what you're doing right then and there. Because to be honest with you, if that were the case, I hope you would be alive to get to the meeting, but you can't promise that. I mean, this sounds a bit morbid, but I like looking at it in the sense that I don't know if I'm going to be even alive at the end of this taping. I hope I will be, but I might not be. And if I'm not going to be, well, all that time thinking about anything else beyond this taping would be a waste of my time. And most of us don't like wasting our time. Most of us don't have time to waste. So, you know, just you might not even make it to that meeting. Be in the shower. Enjoy the shower. And then enjoy a cup of coffee. Enjoy the smell of it. Enjoy the feel of the warm cup in your hands. There's all kinds of things to focus and enjoy if you just pay attention to what your senses are telling you. And while this is happening, you're calming down. You're calming down. Your heart rate is slowing down. Your respiration is slowing down. And all of these things are going to help you to be strengthened and stable and relaxed so that then you can go in and address whatever it is that needs to be addressed. And according to the scripture, if you went into that meeting that I was mentioning a few moments ago that you anticipated being so nasty, according to the scripture, once you walked into the meeting, you would be given what you need to say. You would be given thoughts. And that sounds kind of weird to people that maybe haven't been Christians and I understand that because I have this part of my brain that is always thinking along the lines of someone that doesn't believe in God and how that might sound to them but I can just testify to my own experience and once you believe that and you know that when you walk in there whatever you need to say you're going to have it's going to be on your mouth It's going to be in your words, but not until you walk in. And that kind of brings me to my last 
little point I was going to make in this episode is that Christians do have sort of an added layer because there's a trust there. There's a trust that they believe that God is in charge, that he created them. The scriptures say that that God, I can just word it this way, the scriptures say that God created me. I believe that. Uh, that he has a plan for my life. I believe that. Um, and that he will equip me with whatever I need when I need it. I believe that. And I have lived that. I have experienced it. I don't know what other people's experiences are. And like I said, each to his own. Everybody's on their own journey. But this is mine. And I have experienced this so many times that for me, that is another layer enabling me to be in the moment and not having to feel as if I have to be so much in control and know everything that's going to go on. I don't have to be afraid that there's going to be some nasty ass person in that meeting that's going to say something gross or be critical or judgmental or whatever, because I know that for me, it's all going to turn out all right in the end. And I'm not saying uh, they might fire me, but that's not the end. Do you see what I'm saying? So I just want to wrap up this episode number 14 and just encouraging you to stay in the moment. Use the mindfulness techniques and just stay in the moment. This is Dana Skaggs. And again, this is Phoenix and Flame pushing through and transforming even when you feel like a pile of ash. Once again, if you like what you hear, then I would strongly encourage you, please help me out and blast it out on social media. Tell other people about it. Um, We're all in this together. So I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day.